0: to do it quickly, because everyone's waiting for you. Yes. The guitar is the bass player, the sound guy, and the entire audience is waiting for you <laughs> to get that snare drum right where you want it.
1: Hello, and welcome to Lancelot's Roundtable. Uh, at the time of this recording, it is actually getting very close to Thanksgiving, so we are experiencing some lovely fall weather. It takes me back to riding in my brother's car. I did not have a license. He did. So my older brother, he would drive me around while we while would do different things, and I can remember a song coming on the radio. ...that I'd never heard before... Is I didn't listen to a whole lot of music growing up... ...slash I really only listened to a certain kind of genre... ...so when I got to riding in my brother's car... ...and we listened to something called the radio... ...I started experiencing all different kinds of music... ...and this particular song that came on the radio... ...was called Unforgiven by Metallica... ...and then finally I can remember... ...a time when I traveled throughout Europe for a month... ...and I took uh, selected CDs... ...and I played them on my headphones... ...during train rides, plane rides while I would be sitting in the parks. Um, And those songs ended up becoming sort of like my own personal soundtrack for that trip, for those memories. And I can specifically remember listening to a lot of a band called Autumn Leaf, which is really good. I still really love that album, but I have since lost it. I can remember listening to Interview with a Vampire, particularly when we were perusing about Paris. That was particularly epic. Uh, Interview with Vampire soundtrack. I can remember listening to Seager Rose, some of their earlier albums. Um, And what's interesting about this is I found out about a lot of these um, types of music and specific bands by really good friends of mine um, that were really into music. Um, And I can remember a particular dark period of time where I was super depressed and I couldn't listen to music. I couldn't really do much of anything, but that's one thing that I couldn't do was listen to music. And I remember a particular dark time uh, for my family where right before that dark time happened, my wife had found Andre Ryu. I think I'm saying that right. He's like a violinist, rock star type person. Um, And he does classical music. He plays the violin while he directs his own orchestra. And so during dark times, me and the kids would be listening to those songs on YouTube while we would uh, be playing or whatever. Um, all this to say, like I think anybody who has been touched by music understands, like the power and the importance of it in our daily lives. So today, I am super happy and thrilled. I'm bringing on a longtime friend of mine, really good friend of mine, Aaron Sturgill, who's a really gifted and talented mu- musician. Uh, he started playing the violin at some ungodly age, like single digits age, and he was really well known for that. He eventually. He's going to talk about this, but he eventually picked up an electric guitar and had real crazy skills with that, as you can imagine. But he's also, I think, dabbled in piano. I don't even think you I should say dabbled when it comes to piano, because I think he's he can full-on play piano. But he's probably dabbled at least a little bit in drums, but I don't know. So I'm super excited to welcome you, Aaron, to Lancelot's Roundtable. Thanks. What's up? Not a whole lot, man. So... Your current, well, maybe I shouldn't say current project, but the one thing that I wanted to bring you on and talk to you about is yeah. Corian. Mm-hmm. i saying that right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Q U O R I A N Corian. Uh, the name comes from a graphic novel called The Sandman by Neil Gaiman. Mm. Uh, it's a fantasy, doesn't really do it the right word, modern fantasy, I suppose, that links all kinds of world mythologies and history into a into a fictional mythology and it was just the name of a sentient flower from a planet that had uh, a race of of sentient aware flowers and i was like corian is the coolest name i've ever heard so that's gonna be the name of my next band
1: (laughs) yeah that's awesome so guys you can find that on youtube just search for corian and i think there's five songs on there Mm -hmm. um my favorite one still is ornamental Ego, Ego. yeah, ornamental ego. you think that I would not have brain farted on the ego part (laughs) seeing how it's my favorite song, but that's still my favorite song out of the five. but they're all really, really good. So go check it out. Subscribe to his YouTube channel and like the videos, make comments on there, you know, all the stuff that you need to do for YouTubes. Um, Is there any place else that they can find Corian?
0: Uh, Corian Band is on Instagram. Instagram. And that's it. The... Put out a full-length record with a band called Old Worlds. That is at oldworlds.bandcamp.com. I'm still fairly happy with that. That was a, it was a nice band while lasted. That was active from 2008. I started that as a solo project where I would loop guitars and then hop on a drum set and drum with my own stuff. And then I eventually got a drummer and bass player. Bass player recorded the full length, and that lasted from 08 to 08 to 2012.
1: Wow, four years? Because I think I went to one at mm-hmm. Expresso Yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah one of yep. your guys' yep. shows. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, so you recorded the guitar and the drums for that? Yeah. Um, I didn't well, know once, that. I, once I got hooked on looping, um,
0: you were asking me about what, it, what goes into like layering the stuff that I do. and right. And what I do in a live setting is I rely on this looping pedal that records a phrase of music. Let's say it's like four measures and then it just plays it back infinitely, and then I can infinitely layer on top of it as many loops as I want to. And with Old Worlds, I would just, um, yeah, loop what I was... Loop until I was happy with it, and Mm. and then jump on the drum set. Setting up an entire drum set and a guitar rig was exhausting <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine I, I mean probably, I think I only played about a dozen shows like that and then I was like oh thank god there's a drummer that's interested uh
1: <laughs> well yeah so you remember my uh my like what year and a half two year silly drummer phase oh yeah yeah absolutely. you remember that yeah. but I yeah I specifically remember being like this is the most exhausting, it's exhausting. Uh, uh, yep. instrument to set up because yep. you do want to have stuff Within a millimeter of where yes. you're used to having it. Yes, you do. it
0: really quickly because everyone's waiting for you. Yes. The guitarist, the bass player, the sound guy, and the entire audience is waiting for you <laughs> to get that snare drum right where you want it. You slowpoke. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so Old Worlds that was four years, mm-hmm. but it was. Years, so what's the difference then for you what between do you mean? the between Corian and between Old Worlds um, creatively?
0: For musicians, I, th- I would imagine for all types of writers, it all comes down to where you're at in life. Um, Makes sense. With old worlds, it was very much my first deep dive into what it meant to try to tour. Mm. Um, there are a lot of bands out there, and I would say after circa 2005, it's just very difficult to get booked places. Yeah, we we did tour somewhat successfully. At Sometimes we even broke even. That was nice uh, when it happened. Right. But ultimately, we overplayed our home market quite a bit, and so our audience ended up dwindling. Um, creatively, I was reading a ton of scripture at the time. I was just in—I was just in the Bible every day, trying to like extract lyrical nuggets, and then I would form a song around like just a just a tiny piece of a verse. Wow. Actually, um, and these days. I have a much more uh, abstract relationship with spirituality, and so my writing reflects that. Mm-hmm. Um, I approach songwriting. You want to transition to talking yeah, about songwriting yeah, a little absolutely. bit? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Let's sure. do it. Okay. I approach songwriting with, a, with sort of an idea bank. I'm, in my day-to-day life, whether I'm at work or watching TV or whatever, I'm just jotting down notions
1: mm-hmm. and ideas.
0: Uh, one of my files, so I used to do it in a journal, but now it's just on Google like everything else is. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my files is just called Titles. So I'm constantly writing down song titles. Oh, that'd be a cool song title. And sometimes that gets fleshed out into lyrics too. I'll just go down a line and just start writing little snippets. There's no music at this point. There's okay. absolutely no music. I'm okay. just writing down thoughts. And if they relate to each other, then so much the better. But if they don't, that's fine too. They can just be random. And then, so I've got the hundreds of titles listed at this point. And, um scores of like related ideas that have been broken off into their own files and then when i sit down with the guitar 90 percent of what i do when i'm playing guitar i hate Mm. like i just i'm noodling and noodling and just kind of messing around and i'm not really happy with it then i'll hang it up and i'll get back to it another time and i might make something that i like and if i end up making something that i like then i'll save the file and i'll try to figure out is that an A part of a song, is that a B part of a song, is it a chorus, is it a verse? I don't know, I have no idea, it's just a part of a song that I like. Mm. I don't think, does that remind me of any of the titles that I wrote down over the last three years, five mm. years, whatever? Um, and so you connect these pieces of I, I shouldn't say you because every, every songwriter is different, every creator is different. Absolutely. But I connect the pieces of music that I'm making with older ideas that may resonate for an unknown reason. I couldn't I couldn't explain that process of connecting them if I tried. Makes sense. That's purely like I don't know, esoteric, subjective.
1: Yeah. As your how would you describe between old world and Korean? I mean, you kind of went into it a little bit with like the scripture, but how else have do you feel like your process has evolved? Man. That's a good question.
0: A lot of it is economical. I I did touch a little bit on how difficult it is to tour and try to make any kind of financial profit. So now I approach it as an important hobby and pastime and it doesn't get get shoved under the rug because it's just a hobby, but it also, I don't ever for a minute think, okay, this is gonna support me someday or I deserve for this to be X portion of my income Right, whereas whereas I think with old worlds it was like, well, if, if, I'm a, if I'm a musician, if this defines me, then I have to make it my, hmm. my breadwinning, right? Yeah. I have to make it my career. And and there was a, there was a lot of disappointment, not a lot, maybe. I wasn't that surprised sure. when it didn't work out. I think for me it was very important to release any sense of entitlement, and hmm. so old worlds was kind of the process of releasing a sense of entitlement to. Hmm to make money with music or to reach a certain notoriety. And I, my goals were humble, you know, I fame and riches was not part of the equation, but even, even the goals that I did have were like fairly, well, I mean, that's, that's not entirely true. I did open for my favorite band of all time. Really, It's nice, it's nice to have a favorite band. That's like manageable. The Appleseed cast from Kansas. I was lucky that they were still touring. I was lucky that they didn't, get to like Radiohead huge or anything because I'm never going to open for Radiohead. Sure. Um, But the opportunity came up. I knew some booking agents. I knew the booking agent that booked them and I just sent him an email. And he was like, oh, you're the first one who asked. Yeah, you can open one, sure. Okay, that was easy and random. And is this how this business works? Yeah, Mm. it totally is how this business works. Um, So that was a huge goal. I sold a couple CDs in Japan at a record store. Like I I was on a label that uh, stocked our CDs in Japan. So these little goals that aren't necessarily about, like I said, finances aren't necessarily about making your living this way. Yeah, um, That was the, lear- the learning process with Old Worlds. So, I'm really talking around your question because I don't, I don't think of it that way. I don't think of a huge difference between Old Worlds and Quarian. Old Worlds... Old Worlds ended because it wasn't sustainable. Um, my bass player in particular I think really had much firmer goals about making a living with music. Sure. He has since become a f- phenomenal videographer and photographer. I'm hmm. really really impressed with what he does. And he still plays music, but it's purely a hobby. Um, I think he's, I think he put a lot of faith in me, right? To get this thing sure. off the ground and to make it happen. And, and after we played some shows out of town where two people came, he was kind of like, oh, I think I just want to record from now on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so so when the when the personnel sort of didn't work out long term, and then I got married.
1: Right, that was a huge part of that too. Yep, right? that'll um, that'll change things.
0: Yeah, a lot of expectations when you get married. I mean, you guys know a lot about this.
1: Everything. Yeah, everything. Nobody changes. knows
0: everything about everything, but you guys know <laughs> as as close to everything as you could as a right. person could know. about yes. how different marriage is yes. to what you expected it to be.
1: Correct. Um, to what we thought it was going to be when we yeah, were kids and to,
0: what, and to what even what you and your partner expressed to each other before the marriage which is nuts yeah that it's is bananas crazy it's how you can find yourself in the did I marry this person <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and everybody I think everybody feels that way yes at some point so, so the music did not work out very specifically because the notion of me even touring for two days at a time was not something my partner was willing to consider yeah um None of these are, I don't even use these as excuses because bands have a natural lifespan,
1: honestly. Right.
0: Unless you're ACDC. I don't know. There are exceptions to those (laughs) rules. But like, (laughs) I don't understand how legacy bands work. Actually, I do because every band is a legacy band now. It's hilarious to me. Bands that existed from 2000 to 2005 then coming back a matter of 10 to 15 years later and saying, we're on a reunion tour. I'm like, reunion tour? Did you guys break up?
1: Yeah. Hold up. Right, that <laughs> I, didn't happen before this as much as it does no, now. No, but that's does that's
0: it? a si- that's a side effect of, of a couple things, in my opinion. Um, it's a bit of a tangent, but that's fine. Uh, culture moves quickly now.
1: Yes, the, the, the notion very of true. um,
0: the notion of nostalgia moves very quickly. It's not like, you don't have to a decade does not have to pass for people to think. Oh, do you remember back when? Mm-hmm. You know, we say CompUSA. Mm-hmm. Twenty years. Yeah. 20 years or so. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but people get nostalgic for like an app that existed 2 years ago, you know?
1: That's so crazy, and it's very that crazy? true. Yeah. Very true. And
0: so people get nostalgic for bands that existed 5 or 10 years ago. Oh, I wonder what happened to that band that existed 5 or 10 years ago. And that and that and when that happens with enough people, then the band can detect like, oh, now, now the time
1: is right for a reunion tour. you respond to that. Which you can get to with Twitter and social media and everything. Yep. You can get people you can have that visibility on your radar if you're a band. You can. You can. Yeah. I don't really know how music intersects with
0: social media right now yeah i I believe that 10 years ago was a very difficult time to be in a band Mm -hmm. and i don't even know what i would do if i were trying to like make it yeah capital m capital i i don't i have no idea (laughs) you you don't have me on your podcast to talk about making it as a musician right that's fair i'll put a period on that sentence
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's fair um can you talk a little bit about more about what it's like to... You have these ideas floating around. Sure. You have these thoughts you're writing down. You have your title. And then it starts to morph. That's kind of what it sounded to me like you were expressing. Then it Mm -hmm. starts to morph into something. Do you feel like for you... Where's your confidence level? Like, is it just like a distillation process where it's just kind of going and doing and doing this process and then eventually, oh, yeah, this is, this is a good one. Mm-hmm. And then you know confidently?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yes and no. Okay. Yeah, so that's, those are very interesting questions. I like how you put it. I don't think you used the word coalesce, but that's kind of what it sounded like. It's like this, there's this fog around you and then, and then as you're developing these ideas and linking them with music... And playing it repetitively and finding, okay, this works. This works. This doesn't suck. I'm not bored of this. I myself, I'm not. if I'm bored of this <laughs> after playing it for five minutes, it's no good. Yeah. But if I'm not bored of this after playing it for an hour, then okay, maybe it has some legs. And this thing is coalescing out of the ether, as it were, right, and becoming something, something substantial.
1: Uh, Do you feel very in control during that process?
0: No. No, I don't. And I don't even feel confident during, uh, in control in the editing process either because mm. you said you you asked about confidence that's a very interesting question because right. voltaire said that perfect is the enemy of good and if you feel if you need to feel totally confident in anything in order to do it you may never do it right so that's a very important lesson i think for anyone anyone to learn because yeah. that can apply to getting up and going to work in the morning. Right. Apply to having kids. I mean, heck, kids aren't on my radar because I don't think I do a good enough job. But I also know that no one's prepared, right? Right. I'm, I consider myself 60% happy with the Old World's LP. Mm-hmm. It's fine. There are a couple good songs on it. Mm-hmm. Mostly it's just kind of okay. But I got it out. Produced a full-length record. Right. Um, I didn't feel super in control at the time. And I also mentioned I didn't feel super in control during the editing process because once you have a good rule of thumb for producing any amount of music, whether it's an EP or a full-length or a set list or probably even like writing a novel, you want to produce more content than you'll use Mm -hmm. and then you'll edit it down because you can be happy with it for the first day, for the first week, for the first year. And if you work on an LP, for instance, for two years... It's good to have like thirteen to fifteen songs, and then whittle it down to ten or eleven that you really, that really work together, that really click along, sure. and then you can release some B sides, and then you're, <laughs> and then you're a real musician.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I think if memory serves, back when I liked Coldplay, oh yeah, this uh, Coldplay's
0: first record, by the way, It's fucking
1: great. Parachutes. I, I love Parachutes. I think yeah, Parachutes same. is a
0: great album. I even like a lot of Russia Blood to the Head too, the second one. Yeah. Um, it's after that when Coldplay.
1: X and Y, they started to lose me, but I still really like that album, and I couldn't... I think it was the Vita, whatever, whatever. Yeah, 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 that one. Mm-hmm. They completely lost or me they there. They started
0: dressing in the military. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh. They mm-hmm.
1: completely lost me that one. That was the last concert I think I ever went to oh. was not the Vita one, but after X and Y came out, they mm-hmm. went to same theater cool. Um I think that's the very last concert I went to. Um, but yeah, I think it was for the second one, Rush of Blood to the Head, mm-hmm. where I think Jonathan told me... That they said that they had like 90 songs and they cut it down to the eight. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it wow. was a, it was a it was high double digits. I think that, that is admirable. In that that is, nuts? Ad, that is
0: admirable. Uh, Rivers River Cuomo, Rivers Rivers Cuomo of Weezer has also written a thousand ish songs. Is he the front man? He's the front man. He's okay. the guy with the nerdy guy with glasses, the short one. Um, he yeah, he has a, a like a binder. Like a, at one point in his career, he had a, like a three ring binder. Hmm. songs and he was up in the 900s or something after release and just a couple of LPs. Wow. Oh, man. And I even think their release material is pretty repetitive. So imagine how repetitive his, <laughs> his unreleased material <laughs> <Yeah>. is.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> but, very fair. Yeah, anyway. I mean, he's got like 80 different versions of the sweater song. Right. And he finally, they finally landed at that, that right. one. But I mean, that's just, that's kind of a testament, I think, to what you're even saying. But it also, mm. I think in my mind, links back to the sacrifice that you have to make as a creative individual is, I think, pretty relevant and clear for a creative person. But the one that a musician's going through, in my mind, is particularly fascinating because you're, you're coming up with the title, which I was fascinated by that. I thought for you that the music would come first. Never. I don't know why I thought ne- never.
0: that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how anyone else works. I will say this. I have never heard of a songwriter writing lyrics and then being able to write a song to fit those lyrics. And that's not what I do, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an independent thing that merges. I mean, that's if you listen to my music, there is very little singing,
1: yes, right? It's an, right. It's,
0: it'll be a six or seven minute song with maybe 45 seconds of singing. Um, because if it speaks, if it needs words, if, if there's a word there that's coming out, and when you're, all artists talk about this at one point or another. Something will need to happen, right? You'll, you'll be playing a song that you have every intention of this being an instrumental. This mm-hmm. one's not going to have words at all. But you'll stop, or you'll, you'll feel held back until you do something that's necessary. Mm-hmm. An ornamental ego, for instance, um, didn't work until two things happened, until it had a, a little bit of lyrics and okay. uh, had that, that change at 322 that you, that you texted yep. me about. Yep. Um, like you were saying, it's a cool song. That's one, uh, zero through 322 is a cool song, not a whole song. Yeah. Right? Uh, for one thing, the way that I loop stuff is very repetitive, so the phrases last for a long time. It's not like a quick verse and a quick, quick chorus. The phrases last for a long time and you can't music doesn't music cannot just sit in a single mood right right repetition is um what did i write down repetition is foundational okay. to music mm-hmm. right um you're always going back to the first chord you played because mm. you have to by by the nature of changing chords but the, but the change is what's fundamental you can't play the same chord for the same for the whole song i mean that unless seems you're odd.
1: stained <laughs> right <laughs> right
0: uh, there uh, there are exceptions to every rule as we've already
1: covered. Sure, can you tell me a m- little bit more about that? Because that seemed fascinating. You have to go back to the same first chord?
0: Um, because, okay, we, we, hmm. that, isn't, that isn't interesting. It's not, most songs are written in a verse, chorus, verse, chorus structure with a bridge. Yeah. And it comes back to the chorus. And that repetition is important to click with an audience who may not be musical themselves. There's a reason that when you learn new, or like a new to you worship song on a Sunday morning or a new to you pop song on the radio, there's a reason that the chorus sticks in your head. Sure. It's also called the hook. Sure. In in the biz. (laughs) You couldn't see my sarcastic sneer. Um,
1: It's a very sarcastic sneer, everybody. Very
0: sarcastic sneer. Parentheses. (laughs) Uh, Having to go back to the first chorus is just a a nature of, you, you don't have to. I said that as if it were a rule, but it's more of a, uh, it's more of a principle that if you write a set of chords like C, G, and D, you're going to go back to C at some point just because of the nature of music. Music is by its nature repetitive. Um, Each measure will probably count to four, 90% of the time, one, two, three, four, and then it goes back to one. Mm -hmm. Um, I... I have certain elements of repetition in my music. Like I said, my phrases last for a long time because they're looped in there and they just keep looping infinitely until I change it. But I, I really try to avoid repetition whenever possible. So like I said, ornamental ego wasn't complete until it t- completely changed moods, right? Mm-hmm. The first section is like pretty quick. It's pretty noodly, quote unquote. The notes are moving really fast and I'm tapping them with both hands on the neck of the guitar. right. And then at 322, I knew the mood needed to drop. Mm. It needed to slow down, because, because it had this trajectory. It had like a, if anything, the energy was ramping up. Right. Which each new loop that I was doing was a little bit more complex, or a little bit more, um, in the film Amadeus, uh, one, of the, one of the wealthy patrons of Mozart says, that piece of music was good, but it just had a lot of notes in it. <laughs> <laughs> Mozart's like, yeah, is that a problem? <laughs> and, yeah, it can it can be, and so I knew that the second section needed to not have a lot of notes in it, so it's it's real droney. it's like it's like a slow tool song, right, yeah,
1: um so maybe yeah that's why it maybe maybe that one might be one of the reasons that that song particularly hooked me because i I have been I'm not a diehard fan tool, but mm-hmm. I do respect the the complexity of their music, and I don't like all of their songs or anything, mm-hmm. but the ones that do they they are like that where they're changing what do you call them? Beats or time signatures? Yeah, we switch around time signatures. And they're obviously like incredibly talented. But yeah, at that 322 moment, I described this to you before, but at that 322 moment when I was listening to the song, especially for the first time, um, having never heard it, it was like I was on a journey with mm-hmm. you and I was really enjoying it right up to that 322, and then at that 322 minute, it's like you struck gold, mm-hmm. and then you stayed right in that gold vein for the rest of the song. Oh, cool! And like at the <laughs> end glad of it, hear. I like, I was like, don't end. <laughs> but it's not that it shouldn't have ended, but it sure. was just like I was just really enjoying it, and it I'm, was just I'm glad to hear all that. You do have to leave people wanting more. Um,
0: in mm. the that song is really funny. I listened to it several times in the last week, thinking like, what what struck Lance about this? And I do think. Hmm. I do think it, it speaks to something about, um, for better or for worse, I write music in my two favorite genres, like my real real niche genres, math rock
1: and mm-hmm. post-rock.
0: Sure. not a huge fan of these terms. They're just what's used. Yeah. Math rock, typified by the time signatures changing, like you're saying, real tappy-tappy, noodly guitar stuff. Mm-hmm. And post-rock being typified by, like, slow instrumental soundscapes. You know, Siggy Rose is one of the quintessential sure. post-rock bands. Sure. And they're unusual for having locals, but he actually did something really cool when he just decided to use a made-up language instead of real yeah, real Icelandic or real English, right? Um, so the words don't have to mean anything. Mm-hmm. They can just be subjectively interpreted by the audience yeah, or him as he's performing them. So ornamental ego works that way. A section, 0 through three twenty is math rock. Mm-hmm. Strict math rock. Second part's post-rock. And, I, and a lot of post-rock songs when the genre was being uh, sort of defined uh, by early bands like Godspeed, You Black Emperor, and Explosions in the Sky, the songs were very long. Mm-hmm. 10 to 20 minutes was pretty standard for a single song. And they would have like three sections, usually.
1: You said and, like, Godspeed. Godspeed, I, was, I
0: Black I thought Godsmack. Very different. Yeah. Very different vibe. Yeah, I don't think I've heard yeah. Godspeed. No, they're, they're not, that, not that common. They're a, a Canadian anarchist collective live together and make music and <laughs> yeah. uh but, 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 uh oh and when i write post-rock i just you have to end the song sooner than that because you have to leave people wanting more people yeah. people remember the first thing that you played and the last thing that you played and they very rarely remember what's in the middle
1: hmm. which
0: explains a lot about how albums work yeah. first and the last tracks are typically like the last track is not often the best song on the album but it's typically the I don't want to say deepest or strangest song. And Mm -hmm. and, and it will leave a lasting impression. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same thing with how set lists are constructed for live performances. Uh, This last song will typically have the highest energy. Mm -hmm. Leave the crowd like, oh man, I can't believe they stopped. Or like, (laughs) one more show, one more show, right?
1: Yeah. What, how do you get to pick the music that you like? What's that even like for you?
0: Can you rephrase that? How do I get to pick
1: yeah, understand. how do you pick this, like, if you're looking for music that oh. you want to personally enjoy? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's harder for you.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. no, it is. It is. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I don't like. Yeah. You know, people ask me, like, you run into people all the time. Aren't musicians, often, musicians often have to field the question, oh, I thought you liked all music because you're a musician. Sure. Well, for a lot of my buddies, it doesn't work that way. Like, we, and at the same time, I'm, I'm kind of an old man. Like, I got, I got pretty stuck. Um, I am pretty stuck uh, in my age 18 through 25 window. The music mm-hmm. that I the, the genres that I, just, I discovered and delved into at that age are the genres that are just with me.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah.
0: Um, I really like emo, but I don't hmm. like emo that was produced after 2003.
1: Interesting. So my
0: emo exists from 98 to 2003. Okay. And fortunately, there are a million bands doing emo revival right now. Interesting. And Spotify is more than happy to recommend those bands to me on every Friday. That's awesome. Every Friday, I get on my Discover Weekly, and I'm like, twenty new bands that are producing music that I love when I was in college. Interesting. And I'm middle aged now. um,
1: Can you can you talk about whatever that was? Discovery Week or Discovery? Sure.
0: Uh, Oh, on Spotify. Um, yeah. Not not a lot of people. Spotify is terrible. Sure. Evil to musicians. Okay musicians should make a penny a stream yeah they should yeah they should not be making tiny 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 infinitesimal fractions of a penny per stream yep that is that is awful but they're doing a lot of things right for the listeners sure for sure um when i log on to spotify and i even let them send me the emails too because it's really nice to know when my favorite bands put out even just a new single
1: Mm -hmm. right
0: i don't even need to wait for a full album they'll let me know because heck I'll be honest, some of my favorite bands aren't even good at social media, so I won't hear about it yeah. unless I get the Spotify email, right? Yep. And yeah, Discover Weekly I'll have is to check a feature that out. when you open up Spotify. When, when it shows what you've listened to recently from my Android app, it has six buttons at the top, and one of those is just a generic one that says Discover Weekly. And if I hit it,
1: Got a bunch of recommendations, and it knows me really, really well. Interesting, I didn't know that because yep. I, I, for my work, I can listen to music or podcasts or whatever for at least a decent chunk of what I do working in the office. Oh, so, yeah. Spotify was a really big thing for me a while ago. Also, Amazon because we have Prime, so we can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Pandora, I think I've moved away from, but that kind of my was partner
0: really likes Pandora. What I started because with. it ropes in multiple genres to her um, to her playlist. She really likes. The emo that I don't like and she really likes soundtrack music mm. really loves movie soundtracks and video game soundtracks and she wants to listen to all of it in one playlist mm. which a lot of people couldn't stand but she wants to hear you know fallout boy followed by the uh Morrowind soundtrack oh and wow. she wants to be, have <laughs> recommendations from those genres pulled into the same playlist drives me a little nuts hey, yeah more power to her yeah pandora's perfect for her
1: yeah, and like those are really good for us non-musicians. I think because it does help us find stuff that we wouldn't uh, uh, I'm speaking from me my personal perspective, sure, sure. but the I've I've found bands I wouldn't have found in music that I wouldn't have found mm-hmm. without these. One being this cuz I think I was listening to a R- Lorena McKenna station yep. and this this band comes out comes on it's called they're called secret garden i have mm-hmm. no idea where they're from or whatever okay. and there's plenty of stuff i think of theirs that i don't like but some of it is very like just beautiful really nice music mm-hmm. and there was a couple metal bands and stuff that i came around when yeah. i was, came came along that i again never would have found unless i cause generally i always would count on somebody like you being like oh you should check this out because you would know my taste in music and yeah. you would generally know a band that i would never have been able to to find but um Going back to your, to your Spotify thing with the artists, I mm-hmm. definitely agree with that. Um, mm. I was just listening to, the, particularly if they don't pay enough, pay artists enough, right. um, which is sad, and hopefully that type of thing will change. But yeah, hopefully. <laughs> there was a, Joe Rogan just had Kanye West on oh, yeah. his podcast, mm-hmm. and so you get Kanye West talking about the stuff that he's talking about, but one of the things that he was mentioning specifically was how uh, record, did he call them record labels? I think he called them record labels, but yeah. how that industry is just really terrible for yeah, musicians. it is. And that's something like you don't know about unless you've ever tried or don't know No, and that's like not that.
0: unique to big names like him either. The Appleseed cast is the exact same thing. When I got to chat with them, I've seen them a bunch live, and every time I, I chat with them about their, their career and stuff, and they got, a lot of bands like them, and a lot of bands in general, get locked into contracts that are no good. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't know when they're signing, or they don't realize that like, producing three to five or any number of albums for a label that expects you to do all the heavy lifting as far as promotion is a bad, is a bad deal. Yeah. Very, very bad deal. Yeah. So indie, I would say indie bands get hit. I mean, it's a, just a factor of economics, right? The smaller artists are going to get hit harder yeah. by, by that inequality, by that particular form of injustice. Yep. Not that I don't feel bad for Kanye West, I mean. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm sure his checking account is hurting.
1: Yeah, I'm, I think he's probably okay. <laughs> he might be okay. But yeah, I mean, I mean, Metallica brought it up with the whole Napster thing where sure. they weren't getting paid. And there sure. was lots of, uh, not conflict, lots of, what is the word? Um, controversy? Thank you, controversy. sure. sure. Th- that came up with that, obviously. But yeah, I... I think it's sad the older I've gotten to, to learn more about this kind of stuff. Because you, you th- when you think of a musician that has a record that's out there that gets to go on tours, all you think mm-hmm. about is that they're filthy rich, which may or may not be true. Mm-hmm. But the idea that the ones that are filthy rich that probably only have a fraction of maybe what they should have had, mm-hmm. then it's just like, okay, so who does get that money?
0: I was, I'll never forget listening to The Blitz, usually for bad reasons. I don't like the Blitz very much, but one time, one of the hosts on the Blitz came on and s- between songs and said, there's a, there's a new press release from the band Fuel. Well, you might remember I remember Fuel. Fuel.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Fuel is asking their fans to purchase more copies of their record because they're struggling financially. Hmm. And this wasn't part of like a Blitz news segment at all. It was mm-hmm. just something the, the host wanted to let people know about. Yeah, I never forgot the fact that Fuel was like... I mean, if you see a, a CD on a shelf at at the time of Virgin Megastore,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you you make assumptions about the people behind that. Sure. And those assumptions are very often wrong. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't... That, that's, a, that's a complex industry. I don't actually know what more to say about that right now.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. That's totally fair. So... Um, what, do you, what would you say in terms of like what motivates you to put stuff out there?
0: Mm, that's a very good question because in a, in a moment of transparency, I, I have to acknowledge that the pandemic has sapped my creativity and my uh, motivation. Now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm, I will get back to answering your question in a moment. It will have to be from my recollection for that reason. Okay, uh, But first, I do want to mention that it's good that creative types are often multidisciplinary because when music goes by the wayside for me i always have tabletop rpgs to fall back on so i'm writing a game right now uh that's that's really exciting i hope to put that up before the end of the year can you talk about that a little sure um it's a fantasy rpg for two players um one player will be the game master like in dungeons and dragons and the other player would be uh it's pandemic friendly because a lot of people well i feel really bad for people who have to live alone yeah during this time agreed it's no good no good for anybody. And I feel horrible, absolutely horrible for people who have, who have to live in toxic situations. Toxic uh, living situations with other people that are unhealthy. Absolutely. I, myself, am very fortunate in that way. But a lot of people are locked down with, like, one other person. hmm Or one other adult, let's say. So I'm playing a lot of RPGs online via Discord. Discord and Google Hangouts. But you can still get together with your partner and play some, there's lots of great two-player board games out there. I'm a huge board game guy, and this game is, um, you yeah, just know, a, just a hero's journey through a, a small fantasy world with some weird elements. Uh, like my like type
1: fantasy? Things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, this time
0: I'm using fantasy in a very strict, like, knights in armor. Yeah, okay. With elves and sentient spiders and, yeah, like cool. the sword game. Yeah. That, we used to, that you used to play a lot more than me. But yeah, um, I think of you whenever I sit down to write this. This is not my genre at all. Yeah, I, that's what I, was I, like, say. I like weird fiction. I like strange fiction, horror, and sci-fi. Right. But this is a thing that had to get out in a way. And I don't want to get into the intricacies of, we're not here to talk about, like, the tabletop RPG industry, but there were just, there's a mechanical system that I wanted to use, and fantasy is, frankly, selling really well, because the fifth edition of Dungeons & Dragons is doing really well. Interesting. And so a thir- small third-party publishers like me, even if I'm not putting out a D&D specific product, there's a significant market out there. And the last, the last adventure supplement that I put out has sold many hundreds of copies to my uh, amazement and shock. Wait, what is this? I sold, I wrote a fantasy for a science fiction horror game called Mothership. Okay. And I wrote a 24-page supplement that's just a little a little adventure that I had an idea for while I was on vacation. Vacation's a great time for writing. Oh, yes. You get away from your life and your job for a couple days, and I found yes. myself just churning out content. And when I got home, I laid it out. I, I did the, the document layout in... Microsoft Word, and uh, put it on a sales portal where people put RPGs. There, there are only two. You know, it's a small, hmm. small industry, so you have to just pick from one of the two portals that you sell your stuff on. And the popularity of the game that I was writing a supplement for made it so that it flew off the shelves. And then the company contacted me and said, we need 400 copies of this. How soon can you get us 400 copies of your book? And I was like... I guess I'll learn how to do printing. So this
1: is a this is a hard copy, it's physical both. copy. It's both. Both.
0: Yeah. So a drive I wow. drive through and we can put a put a link in your show notes if you want, but a drive through RPG, I sell yep. the PDF for five bucks and yep. both on my personal website and the, the game publisher's website we sell hard copies as well. What's the,
1: what's mm-hmm. your website?
0: It is trailofdice.com.
1: Trail of dice. Like mm-hmm. T-R-A-I-L? A-I-L. Yes, not not an A L E. That no, doesn't mean anything. That's
0: not a word. They become really tail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Think. yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I didn't really know that nice. part, so that's really fascinating to me. So yeah, people okay. can actually go out and buy a thing that you yeah that's put together. And that's my second book. My first book is a
0: is a HP Lovecraft inspired like horror game that's also sold pretty well on, yeah. uh, on drive and that's also digital and physical. Same same spots. Yes. I links up to that.
1: I'm I'm aware of drive through RPG. I found out well, about that. Let me, okay, there it is. So I got into one of the podcasts that I got into was Mm -hmm. a Vampire the Masquerade. Heck yeah. 25th anniversary I think podcast it was just these two dudes I think they used to live in Illinois or Indiana Mm -hmm. no they were in Chicago I think they both moved and massive changes have happened over the last year but on my way to and from work often I would listen to their podcast and they go back Mm. to the 90s yeah vampire the masquerade all of the books which I did I thought there was like two books there's like hundreds hundreds of Vampire And Max several 3 editions, books. like four editions, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the fifth, fifth, fifth just is, came fifth, out. Yeah, and I'm acquainted
0: with the guy who was the lead developer on that, Ken Haidt, who lives in Chicago. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah why, you met him? I, uh, no, we're actually, like, we know each other. Like, really? We, huh. so the fun thing about RPGs I think is you that are it's famous, a small community. You're, you're hiding yeah. it from me right now. I don't, <laughs> I don't like being famous, and I'm not famous. But, okay, the fun thing about RPGs is that it's a small, incestuous little community. That also has some drawbacks. Sure. But, when you go to, like, a big convention like Origins and Gen Con, which are, you know, I'm lucky that the Midwest is where RPGs happen. Mm. A lot of people have theorized that, well, a bunch of wealthy white people with a bunch of time on their hands are going to develop a, a hobby like RPGs and have sure. time to devote for, to it. So it's not going to happen in, like, Europe or Africa or the coasts even. So the Midwest, the U.S. is where these big conventions happen. And I, I started going to these a few years ago, went every year facial recognition, name recognition, just started meeting these people, talking mm. to these people. And I never considered myself a game designer. Now that I'm on my third game, mm-hmm. I'm starting to consider myself a game designer, right? Yeah. And people have been telling me since even before the first, I'm like, no, no, no. The, f- the moment you take an RPG and decide that it's not quite good enough and you like, change it a little bit for you, so it works better for your table, then you're, you're a game designer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been, it's been a really fun community to yeah. interact with and say, yeah, I've been able to meet Kenneth Height, author of the new... Empire game. Yeah, that's uh, that's a cool
1: guy. That's so fascinating to me cuz mm-hmm. I mean obviously back when I was younger I was really fascinated by that particular game. Vampire the, the Masquerade the concept. It's a, it's of a it. cool concept. Yes. It's a
0: really cool concept. Just slight slight additional tangent that, that it's an amusing product to me and that those early editions always said this game is going to be different from that other fantasy RPG that exists. Right. This game is going to produce fiction akin to the works of Shakespeare, right? It's going to be like, it's going to be deep. It's going to be uh, emotionally resonant. It's going to be challenging ethically, thematically. And then most of the rules of those books boil down to shooting people and punching people and dodging people and hit points. And it's like, dude, you really missed an opportunity here. You sold us a game that was about rich themes and and narrative and literature. and, And what you actually sold us was a bunch of rules for violence yeah um, I, hey modern editions are doing about be- doing a better job mm-hmm. but yeah rpgs rpgs are a very young art form and yes mm-hmm. i do believe they are an art form um yeah wh- whether it's the creation of the game itself or or sitting around the table with your friends it's it's a fascinating hobby it's a fascinating media in the Agreed. sense that the people that are creating it are also the audience yeah right and they're and un- until the until very recently, there wasn't an external audience. Now that's changed with Twitch. A lot of people are learning about the RPG hobby from watching people play it on the internet, which boggles my mind. Isn't that crazy? You dude. want to sit and watch a four-hour video or even two hours of these? Yeah, we're streaming. we it's streaming. Yeah. So yeah, you
1: can't pause.
0: You're going to nope. sit and, watch these, sit and watch these people perform poorly. Typically, I mean, <laughs> that's subjective. But I mean, the point is, like, is this really entertaining? Cool. I'm glad it is. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I follow a lot of. I follow a lot of. Twitch streamers on Twitter, and it's 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 interesting watching people develop celebrity
1: around mm. around performing Dungeons and Dragons for for thousands of people. Have you heard yeah. a roll for it? Yeah, roll yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. I I watched some of their Vampire the Masquerade cool. stream. It's really really well done. I haven't watched any of their other stuff, but mm-hmm. they do like they do like a lot of science fiction stuff. But that's yeah. the first time I'd ever heard about that, and I was like, wait, these people are literally like cast members. Yeah. And they have like a whole group, yeah. and they'll for whatever the whoever's doing the the game mastering mm-hmm. like the guy that does twenty fifth anniversary or not twenty fifth anniversary vampire the masquerade, the guy that did that they did it when fifth the fifth edition yeah. came out yeah, so yeah. they they have like their their rule books and they're out, and like one of the cast members he seems to be like the main dude, he's yeah. British, you know who i'm talking about, mm-hmm. um but they all have their own like YouTube channels and stuff too, so you can just like. If you like one of them, you can end up following them on YouTube. So this is the first time I had heard about any of this. I'm just like, mm-hmm. are you serious? Like yeah. this is a real thing? It's mind blowing. It's almost like, well, maybe this kind of stuff is almost like coming back, like mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons. Like you said, I had heard that that's making a bit of a comeback. Yeah, now.
0: definitely had
1: it had this moment in
0: the late '70s and '80s where there were where there was a TV show and it was in every um, kind of in every household. Well, not in every household, as you know, our, yes. our families did not. RPGs are RPG no business. I'm still a little mad at your dad for chucking my second edition vampire book in the trash. Well,
1: but, I didn't know that happened. Uh-huh. It or sure did. did I know that that uh, happened?
0: You let me know that it didn't make it out of your house. I brought it over one night and it crashed. And then in the morning, it was gone. And I, I honestly, in the fog of memory, I don't remember whether it was you or your dad that was like, yeah, you're not getting that back. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Truly not mad at anybody in oh, this true. situation. It's been like, however many
1: years, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, something something yeah, like sorry. that happened to me, too. Dad mm-hmm. found, I think... I think it was a Metallica, I think it was the S&M Symphony mm-hmm. VHS that I Oh, bought. you got I the I think VHS. he found that right. and it chucked it. Yeah. And then there was a vampire video game that I had on PC. It was a Vampire the Masquerade game. He found that and chucked was that that too. Redemption? Yes.
0: My partner actually just played through that again. Are you oh, yeah. serious? Oh, yeah. So there's a cultural moment, right? Um, D&D had its moment in the 80s. It went away for a while. It didn't go away. There have, there have been constant additions in print, but it de- definitely went under the radar for a while. And I feel that analog gaming, board games and RPGs and card games have made a big come, in lat- come back in the last 10 years because I like to think people don't want to just live through technology all the time, just mm. watch the whole world through a screen. Um, when I get together with my friends, gaming is, is even, even when it's just casual, non-gaming people, a simple board game is way more fun than like watching, a, watching a movie, typically. Yeah. There's a lot more interaction that yeah. you, you get out of that. Uh, dates are, are better when it's a game and not sitting in front of a screen.
1: Yeah, and then you don't risk. So, folks, we might have a little interesting cut right now because my doorbell just rang. We have a really high-tech studio here that consists of recording the podcast on our kitchen island. So anytime you hear background noise, uh, that's why. Anytime you hear a kid in the background, that's why. And anytime the doorbell rings. I might not even cut that out. For I'm what
0: it's worth, that. there is a lovely reverb in this room. I'm, I'm not kidding. The, there's a lovely Which is a reverb good thing? That, yes, exactly. There's, okay. a, there's a slight echo that you wouldn't get a like, very different sound than if you were in your
1: car. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. It sounds nice in here. Okay, so let me just recap. You're mm-hmm. you, you currently working on your third... My third RPG. It's my second like
0: actual game. Because right? the second thing I put out was a supplement. So it's my, it's my second full game. From the ground up.
1: Okay, that's what I wanted to know. This is ground up. Yes. You did the mechanics. (laughs) Okay, no. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mechanically, most systems that are released are um, Creative Commons. Mm -hmm. People want you to release another game with their system, so that's what I did. There's Mm -hmm. a system that I like called Powered by the Apocalypse. It's very narrative-driven and has a bunch of of really cool things about it that I don't want to go into right now for your listeners. That's fair. Um by the apocalypse system it is my own world but it's based on tolkien fantasy right? okay for the for the sake of shared language when someone picks it up they, yeah okay i know what this what i this know what an elf does, does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: okay i'm excited to play it then cool that'll do you have any idea when you're gonna
0: yeah it's not so i was reading up earlier um after i read this voltaire quote about perfect being the enemy of good mm. the 80 20 rule right of a project will take 20% of your effort. It will take 80% of your effort to get that last 20% done. So it's now at the 20% point where I'm like, I had a frustrating playtest phase where I had at least 25 people super excited to playtest this thing. So I started my own Discord server and I was like, all right, guys, let's get this thing on the schedule. Hmm. After six weeks, one person got back to me with playtest feedback out of 25 interested people. That it it put a little bit of like uh, it took some wind out of
1: my sails, like because I
0: got good feedback. You know, a couple things I wanted to change. A couple things were really good about it. It'll it'll be out by the end of the year for sure.
1: So, how long is a typical game session? Would you expect for your your game?
0: Uh, For the game, I forgot to even say the title. It is uh, in the Hollow of the Spider Queen. Will take about two hours. Um, It's and it's not two hours front to back you can play a single session of the game and have a satisfying you know narrative because if people aren't that familiar the way i play rpgs and the way a lot of people play rpgs is mostly to develop a good story sure and if that takes one session that's cool if it takes 10 that's cool Mm -hmm. i typically go five to eight sessions and and with two people it just goes along a lot faster yeah and you hit a lot more narrative beats without this analysis paralysis of four or five people going, what should we do, what should we do? I don't know, what should we do? Yeah. Um, so about two hours for, for this two-player game, and you can play as many or as few sessions as you want. And that's probably up to the game master. It is. It's up to both people. Uh, if the game master has more threats and world events and places they want to get to, then you can do more. But, mm-hmm. if, but really, if, if the player is interested, then the game master can just develop a little bit more. So either one can mm-hmm. really determine whether the game continues or not. And that's, I believe, how RPGs should work. RPGs have, a, for a lot of people, RPGs have shifted away from the game master filling up a binder of fiction ideas and, tr- and running people through his adventure. Mm-hmm. And now it's a lot more, a lot less prep these days for GMs. It's a lot more, hey guys, what do you guys want to do? Do you want to go over to this corner of the world? Do you want to stay here in the city where you are right now? And then the game master kind of goes home and preps just for that. Mm -hmm. Right. So it develops just enough fiction to take people where they want to go rather than just developing this whole sprawling world that they have to show them in this big info dump with a bunch of NPCs that nobody has control over.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I'm dropping a lot of terms that your listeners may not know. Um, I think
1: it? it's, I think you're doing fine because okay. I, I know a you're lot of falling. these just from the podcast. Yeah, that's what I, I figured. Okay. And Kim just, my wife, she's over here. She's the technician. She just said that she's following. So she's yeah, following she's what falling, we're saying. We're probably cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think this stuff's a lot more
0: esoteric than it is. But like we were talking about um, – these things are kind of coming back. So
1: people do know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if I can find some of this stuff on Twitch, then I definitely think a lot of other people, it's actually interesting. I will say this. I just found out one of my, uh, one of the, one of the girls that's in, she's not in my department. She's actually a different department, but I work, I sometimes work closely with them. Mm -hmm. She and I were talking a week or two ago. And then she mentioned that over holidays or something that her whole family plays Dungeons and Dragons. No way. Like for Thanksgiving, the whole family no sits way. down and does Dungeons it. and Dragons. So I love it. So every holiday they have a session. Um, so she was telling me about that, and I was like, oh, are you serious? She's like – Do they continue the campaign year to year? Yes. Same, Same story? That's my understanding. Oh, that's cool. That same set continues. of characters? That's yes. neat. That's super neat. Um, I might have that wrong, but that's how I remember it. And then she told me that there is actually an Alliance Data Dungeons and Dragons group. Mm. That's the company I work for. Not too surprised, yeah. So um, – That's cool. Yeah, anyway, like, it, it is really fascinating that this kind of stuff's coming back. So I'm excited to see that. I, you keep me posted because I want to get a oh, copy. Well. She'll play with me. Oh, well. Won't you? <laughs> yeah, she's nodding, folks. She will play that game with me, and I'll be the dungeon master or game master or whatever master, yeah. it's called. So, um, well, man, it, I I feel like we've talked about just about everything I wanted to cover. We're over an mm-hmm. hour of content. Um, yeah. I'd love to have you on again. Sure. Um, and talk a little bit more about some RPG stuff, so Aaron introduced me into a lot of things when we were kids. he introduced me into Star Trek. Never mm-hmm. watched it, but he introduced me to that, and I developed an enjoyment for Star Trek. he's introduced me into a lot of sci-fi things. I didn't know about Call of Cthulhu uh, until you told me about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then honestly board games too I didn't sure. like board games until we started going to the tabletop gaming cafe. There's interesting stuff. I knew you would because you and
0: you and Sean played a lot of Axis and Allies or you and Daniel? Did you, you played? We a- didn't. Maybe Access it was Sean Allies. that was telling me about that. It was that.
1: everybody except for me. They got me to they got me to agree to do it but it took mm-hmm. like it was like we went over to somebody's house and they were still putting the board together for like two hours later. That's no fun. In that type of an instance, that probably should have been done before the game Mm -hmm. people showed up. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I never played that one. But anything that has like an interesting story that you can sit down and like hang out with your buddies. Yeah. Because that's what we were doing right up until this thing hit. Mm-hmm. Did we have one this year? Last uh, we year, didn't 2019? have one. Well, we certainly
0: didn't have one post pandemic because we were planning one for, uh, the birthday nexus
1: of like you, me and Daniel. That's right. Right. But we did get together over holiday 19. Yes, we? we did. Yeah. We, cause,
0: Cause Sean was here Sean yeah, was Sean here for was Christmas. Here. We Jeff went to was tabletop there. game cafe. Yeah.
1: And Daniel, these <laughs> are all people that we kind of like, well, well, Sean's my brother
0: for your listeners though. If anybody's in Columbus, they need to visit tabletop game yes. cafe. That is one of my, there are a couple businesses in the city that really make this city for me. And they're, and they're want their they're unique one of a kind businesses tabletop and cafe Kerouac down on campus. They're not doing super well with the pandemic with a beer. better now. Um, cafe Kerouac's fine because of the students at OSU, but tabletop has basically just has to like deliver rental games. Mm-hmm. Nobody's coming into play very much coming out and hanging out for beers. That's not really a, for that, so tabletops had to adjust their business model quite a bit.
1: What yeah. does it look like now, and how? what can people expect if they want to go?
0: Oh, if they want to go to tabletop, you ha- um, you can expect to find socially distanced tables, you know, 6 to 10 feet apart. Um, can you still you can grab expect, games off the shelf? Yes, you can, and when you put them back, they have to do a 48-hour quarantine. They clean the components that are able to be cleaned. All the cards are sleeved now, uh, hmm. so that they can be cleaned. And, yeah, that the game that you played won't be available for 48 hours. So there's some limitations you can still um, bring your own yes you can still bring your own and the game rental thing is really cool they, they every weekend they're running specials which they will announce on social media for instance get a couple a couple pints of beer a couple sandwiches and a board game rental for a certain price 25 bucks or something okay um and the board game rental is a super super cool thing ashley and i have a an expansive board game library that we've no doubt that we've built ups because when we got together she was like I need a new hobby and I was like good I I have one one. for you (laughs) I was lucky that she that she digs it every Saturday we play board games it's great absolutely wonderful but but even us we struggle (sighs) we've played all these games Mm. let's
1: go rent one from tabletop so we don't have to buy it right yeah so yeah okay well that okay so what you're saying with the rental mm. i don't think i understood that you yeah. can actually go there and rent something take it home exactly and they will they will not only do curbside but i depending on the weekend they may
0: deliver it to you as well depending on whether they have the staff to do it but sure. they have delivered them in the past
1: so what's the mask not that
0: you're like the policymaker but for sure no that it's, it's pretty strict they want you to wear a mask when you're not actively sipping okay something uh, i think if you have an open so beverage, it's like a restaurant it's exactly like a restaurant okay. yeah but he's he takes it Aaron Brown at Tabletop takes everything very seriously, and so the tables are just, and he enforces the, uh, the maximum occupancy, which I don't know what that is. Yeah. But you can totally go there and get a beer right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, their hours are just limited, and space is limited. So you can check out the website, what is it, Tabletop Game TabletopGameCafe.com,
0: so I think. Just Google it if you, Google you need to, Google's Columbus, it. Ohio. It's, it's tricky because go go. there's a Tabletop, <sighs> shoot, there's one in Cleveland that literally has the same words in a different order. Okay. So that's tricky. But it's the one in Columbus.
1: Yeah, I'll put yeah. a link in the description wherever okay. we post this. Um, but, yeah, go check that place out. I found a lot of really good board games. Well, Aaron found them for us, but they're they're really fun. Um, th- so definitely go down. That's a good local business to support. So go down and support that. Um the last thing that I wanted to ask you, if some if if there's somebody out there listening and they want to get into music, maybe learning mm. uh, maybe learning an instrument, what's a good one to start? Would you say a good starting
0: instrument for a beginner? Let's say I want to be a guitarist. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. want to
1: I want to play an electric guitar. Mm-hmm. Do I have to start with the piano, like my mom says?
0: Um, I highly recommend that you start with a difficult classical instrument like the piano or violin, because you will. Now, I was lucky in that I enjoyed it. Yeah. I have taught a lot of people that don't enjoy it. I will say that I've taught a lot of people who start on guitar and, and don't finish. Mm-hmm. And not, not that anyone's ever finished. You're mm-hmm. never finished with music. But I've I've taught a lot of people on guitar who get a little frustrated because they can't make their hands do the thing right yeah sure oh my hand won't do the thing so then they put it down and what i discovered was i didn't have any i had a bit of a hurdle changing chords changing chords is really difficult when you're yeah. learning the guitar and that was a hurdle for me that took six months okay. for six months i couldn't change chords at all but after that six month hurdle it was all downhill and i can and i'm I'm not the world's greatest guitarist, but I developed my techniques very quickly after that, and I had a vocabulary of techniques from the violin. Right. It, it's, a diffi- it's difficult what I recommend, because no one's in an ideal situation. Um, if you're an adult learner, you don't want to take 10 years of violin lessons. Right. Not very many kids want to play. I, I, I have been the violin or piano teacher for a students who are looking forward to changing to their preferred instrument. Mm-hmm. And... Quite often that doesn't go as seamlessly as the parents maybe would have wanted to either. It has though. The transition. The transition isn't always as, they don't end up loving the the preferred instrument as much as they thought, as much as a student expected to, or they're just not as proficient with it as quickly as they would have wanted to be for all the time they invested in that initial instrument. Yeah. Wow. I am really good at not answering your questions. So no, but that, you're that's welcome. good because
1: <laughs> I feel like a lot of these questions are open-ended in the sense that yeah. I don't think there is, especially when it comes to like the creative process or learning how to do an instrument, there sh- I don't think there should be a good like nailed-down answer no, to it because it's, it is ambiguous because it is we're ambiguous. talking about people. But I do have a hard
0: and fast recommendation, which is that you should start with a fretless or difficult classical
1: instrument fretless um, meaning that violin yeah the violin because yep. when you even said that that you had a harder time with the chords that was interesting to me because i in my head i thought that, that would that was an easier transition for you because mm. you were used to you would think violin so. but it no wasn't. but
0: but violin doesn't make chords so what about now. just picking um i'm still not the greatest picker with my right hand mm-hmm. um because i never like took lessons for that i can sort of do it but i'm mostly a, a pick guy um yeah, the right hand technique doesn't really translate from from violin to guitar, and and as you said, I was surprised at how little the left hand technique translated to. Yeah. But there's just there's just something to be said for. I mean, it's it's such a simple metaphor, but when you swing, when you warm up to hit a to hit a ball with a baseball bat, you put a weight on it, mm. and then when you take the weight off, it feels great. Yeah. It feels like a million bucks. It feels light as a feather, right? Mm-hmm. So why not put a weight on your on your learning experience, learn an instrument that, pick one that you will enjoy. I'm really glad that I took violin and piano. They were so broadly applicable that not only can I play the piano pretty well, but I can play violin and viola pretty mm. well. I struggle with the cello because that's kind of going the other, yeah. the other way. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, they were broadly applicable. And I think if you can find a difficult classical instrument that you enjoy, um, that you will be set up for success.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Um, are you still teaching? Last question.
0: Um, I have, I've had to turn some students away, so, yeah, my, my hearing's starting to go.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, in my early 30s, I noticed a difference and then I had to get hearing aids for my job and it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's not a big deal. I can hear guys just fine because it's the high end that mm-hmm. I'm missing these days. Okay. But, teaching young children on a shrill instrument that I, it may actually cause me a significant amount of discomfort to listen to all the time. Mm. can't do it anymore.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that.
0: Yep. So it's, it's, I don't mind talking about it. It's just not something I dwell on. I try to, I love working with disabilities. It's my day job. Yep. I like working for a small community that will always be with us. I like mm-hmm. learning about autism and people's challenges. I like meeting all kinds of people. I work with, I like working with a small number of people uh the work I do feels meaningful. Mm. In a in a way that teaching always was for me when I had much crappier jobs when I was younger. Uh, and <laughs> sure. teaching is teaching's is wonderful. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. It was also exhausting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Being
0: being a one person business doing the billing and the scheduling and the teaching is uh yeah. I hate it. I
1: hate and it. the collective. I mean you did to. that
0: for you did you've done multiple jobs and been your own boss. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the taxes no. in particular yeah. and all the record keeping is yeah. very draining and exhausting. I just wanted to make sure in case you wanted students. No, I don't want to promote that right now, but yeah. thank, you. Yeah, thank absolutely. you. Your listeners should,
0: should look at Suzuki Music Columbus being the most, I feel, the most robust music program that Central Ohio has to offer. There are a number of them, but the Suzuki program in our city is really cool about, well, they have lots of teachers for one thing. They're big. They have, I think they have multiple locations. Hmm. One North Side and one Central. I would have to double check. But the last time I attended teacher training with them, they were promoting a lot of different genres, which violin teachers are not typically known for. And mm-hmm. Violin teachers are known for, oh, you want to learn some fiddle songs in addition to your classical songs? Well, I guess I, I guess we can do that. No, the, Suzuki was pushing stuff like rock and pop and improvisational jazz and stuff like, oh, you want to learn to play like Lindsey Sterling? We can do that. Oh, cool. And they don't even like. Yeah, right alongside your classical studies as as of equal importance. It was yeah. really cool.
1: It's really cool to see them like move with the times. Yeah. Like that. That's great. That's great. Okay. Yeah. Well we'll check that out. Mm-hmm. So folks go to Aaron's Instagram. Yeah, and my personal Instagram is
0: um fmir.66. You can put a link to that in the show notes if you want to. Um, the Quarian band Instagram is is on hiatus until my drummer moves back after the pandemic. My drummer is taking care of family
1: during Got it. the
0: pandemic and then once once live performances are, are a thing, which, those are my bread and butter, motivationally mm-hmm. speaking. I live for live performance. Makes sense. So once that is a thing in the world again, I'm, I'm guessing 2022, that's just a, that's a prediction, mm-hmm. um, then Orion will be an active thing again.
1: And But they'll be able to see that from your Instagram? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. very
0: good. That's where I promote um, live shows and, and do live feeds and stuff
1: yep. like okay so guys get on instagram make sure you follow them tell them where you found them and uh get on youtube and subscribe and listen to some of those songs are really good um and then we'll be on the lookout for when you publish your next game yeah i'll let you know excited about that maybe we'll have you back on talk about it that might be fun yeah um but anyway thanks for coming man really appreciate having you here my pleasure thanks folks for listening